Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Hey, welcome to Psych Insights for the Modern Marketer. It's Kevin Rogers here with my partner, John Carlton. How's it going, John? Pretty good. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing great, buddy. Great to be back. Uh, and want to quickly mention, if you want more from John, it is john-carlton.com. That is the long-running blog. Uh, just a wealth of content. You could get your entire marketing and copywriting education just by reading the backlog of entries there. And my it's actually it's actually older than many of the millennials now coming into the uh, <laughs> copywriter gig. Yeah, what, what, what's the what, when did it start? I mean, uh, two thousand three, wow. I think. So Man. incredible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just how many books are sitting in there? My God. Yes, and I'm mining it actually for books. Right. So. Yeah. So, all right, mine is uh, copychief.com, and John also has uh, all kinds of great coaching uh, opportunities there you can find on his site. So, um, great to be back with you, and, you know, here's the question, man. Are are you having any fun yet? (laughs) (laughs) Are we having fun yet? Uh, You were talking about the fun side of this business. John, you've preached this a lot to me, and I love this. You know, you always say, okay, yeah. Business uh, requires money. Be looking at what something pays, but you have to factor in: is the gig going to be any fun? That is worth, and at certain times, more than the money. Yeah, and and defining fun and defining the gig is where people get tripped up because because you know the I think one of the worst pieces of advice that is still bouncing around out there is do what you love. Mm. Um, which is fine, but you know, if that was true, most of the guys you and I know in the copywriter business, they'd just be home all day masturbating. <laughs> and and you can't get paid for that. So 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 there there's 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 a mix there. And um, you know, we're 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 doing kind of a fast show. So I'm 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 uh we we're 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 squeezing this show in. Both of us are extremely busy right now. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this, and ironically, I wanted to talk about this because in February, my my father passed away, and that was a mercifully short, but still rather gruesome process that I had to disengage from the world, and I had to deal with very, very serious stuff. And uh, when, when I got out, one of the first things I, I did was kind of relax and and start to feel like I, I could now live without fear of that 2 a.m. phone call any, mm. anymore, which I'd been living with for about for about six months to a year before that. And um, it just just on, on, on a very personal level, this reminded me of all of the times I've been through high stress situations. And certainly when I decided to become a freelancer, uh, and get into business in that way, it raised my stress stress levels about twenty times what I'd been experiencing before. Mm-hmm. Because as an employee at a at a business or what, it, what all the other gigs I did, I didn't have the responsibilities of running my own show of of of, of being the the last stop, the the backstop on 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 the career that that I was putting together. 
And when you're dealing with stress, when you're when you're dealing with this stuff, it's kind of hard to find the fun in it. However, the first couple of years that when I became a freelancer and I started making money, and and the money was all mine, and and I, I I was making decisions and I was totally independent. That was fun. The gigs weren't necessarily fun. Uh, it didn't matter what what the gig was. I w- the fact that I would go out and see a client and get a job and get a check and come back and do the research and do the writing and turn it in and see it turned into a direct mail piece or an ad or what whatever it was it was it was meant for, and then um, you know have and then getting a call back on that and realizing I'd done a good job and and going forward and having my name get passed around that was fun. That is how I defined fun at that time. Mm-hmm. Then I had. A, a lifestyle th- uh, thing on the side, but I had made the promise business before pleasure. So I was curtailing the quote unquote fun that I had had before then, which was a the, the fun I had when I was still in a regular job, uh, you know, showing up nine to five and stuff was, you know, the weekend stuff. And sometimes yeah. during the week, it was going out with coworkers. It was trying to trying to corner Susie Q for for a for a hot and heavy session. Um, all the stuff that young men try try to try to do. And I had to realize I had to put aside a lot of that stuff because I was now taking jobs on Friday that were due on Monday, which meant I had to work Friday night and Saturday and, and recover Sunday and do editing and stuff. And I was giving up all this stuff. But I made the vow business before pleasure. So the fun I was getting was actually the fun of knowing I was making the gig work. So, so that is very, very important. And when I tell young freelancers about that, because in, in the years since, I have worked behind the scenes in almost every gig that, that's out there, all the, all, the, all the seminars, all the guys who are now massive gurus in every part of the marketing world that, that, that we know about. You know, I was, I was interviewed by, by Tony Robbins. I've hung out with Jay Abraham, certainly my years with, with Gary Halbert. I've, uh, you know, I, I knew Frank Kern before he was Frank Kern. You know, I knew Evan Pagan before he was Evan Pagan. Yeah. Um, and I know the I know the the background stories on this stuff is a lot of high anxiety. There's a lot of not fun stuff going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, drama and lifestyle upheaval and a lot of a lot of stuff going on that if you looked at it coldly, you would say that ain't fun at all. Yeah. But these guys were have were were the, the fun came from wherever you could find it. Now. For me, and I think there's probably, and and for you also, Kevin, and I think there's probably a test to be able to tell if you're one of these people. Having fun was both a release and a reward uh, for for me. So when I left the corporate world, I was a rising uh, A-list copywriter in the corporate world of copywriting. I was working for the largest mailers in the world back in the late 80s. And then Halbert comes along. Mm. And Gary Halbert offers me a gig in his office where we're going to deal with entrepreneurs. He doesn't know who the next 12 clients are going to, are going to be. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what the next job is going to be, but he's making money. He's doing a lot of stuff and he needs a writer to, to help him out. And we became fast friends. And the reason I turned my back on that corporate world, cause I couldn't do both. Gary one day, Gary was going to buy up all of my time essentially was that even though I was on the path to make a million bucks with the corporate world, it was boring the shit out of me. Mm. And and uh, fun was was coming a little harder to find. So this kind of test that, that that I developed was with Halbert. As hard as we worked, and we worked very 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 hard, still 
sometimes during the day, usually um, uh, uh, prepping for, for meetings with clients. And certainly after the gig was done, we would have the kind of belly laughs. We would just laugh and laugh and have fun. And 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 there was a sense of, of this physical release going on, of just letting go of all the stress that we'd build up. So we were happy building up stress mm-hmm. because we were going to blow it off. And we, you know, we did some stupid things, some fun things. We had misadventures and adventures all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think the test that I'm looking at here is, do you feel better after a good belly laugh when you're in a high stress situation? Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and if you do, and if you need it, then that becomes a goal of yours. It, and I, I don't think I need to define belly laugh, but it's just that kind of laughing where you're crying, you can't catch your breath, where you, you realize you, you are in an animal state of, of hilarity. And for me, that was so important and so critical that I, that besides Halbert, I began to judge all of the other people I dealt with through this prism of are they are they going to be able to help me with a belly laugh? Are they going to understand? Are they going to be offended? Because I worked with a lot of people who are offended by people who are funny. Yeah. They're 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 easily offended anyway, but they're especially offended if you're having fun when you're supposed to be uh, all stressed out. Right. It's like what's so funny about this? You know the the things do in in an hour, and we haven't written the, the last part. And I I find this funny. I find this absolutely <laughs> hilarious because I know we're going to get it done. It's going to hurt, and we're going to have a story to tell later. So the, all yeah. of that became mega mega important. So it was. It's the combination of the lifestyle, the hard work of the of the of the striving constantly to be the best writer you can be, the best the, the best uh, person all around you can be, and have the most fun that you can have. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I guess the the thing that comes to mind for me is uh, I I don't know. I think you and I are fortunate to know a lot of funny people and people. Well, that's who, not an accident, though, is it? So. Right. That's a good point. And you know, I know there are, there are times that go by where I go, uh, man, I haven't I haven't belly laughed in a while. That is the measure, a good belly laugh. You can feel it physically release all the right chemicals. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I spent the first ten years of my quote unquote professional life belly laughing for my job, like all yeah. day. I'm around the funniest people you can imagine, and just belly laughing is what we did, right? right. And there, there could, a good week or so could go by now where I'm going, I haven't like really pissed my pants here, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, we, you know, and now, so I'm thinking of people maybe listening going, man, I don't know anybody that funny in my life, you know? Like, how do you go out and find people that make you belly laugh? Man, you know, it's... I've always attracted them. I mean, I mean, it's easier for people, I think, or who have a natural, large sense of humor. I think that as you grow up, you're, you're like my old friends who have nothing to do with my business life. So my lifestyle includes a lot of the college friends that I hung out with who don't aren't even clear on what I do for a living. And these guys made me laugh back in my 20s. They still make me laugh in, in now in my 60s. We, we, we still hang out together. We're still goofballs and we're, when we're around each other. And, you know, I, when I think back, I had to go through and jettison a whole bunch of people to find those guys and and, yeah. and, and girls and mm. girls, 60 year old girls. <laughs> um, but but there's you know, there's there, you, you look for people and then you latch on. And that's and that's why I told the story about me going off with Halbert. I, I didn't have to go. Like I said, I was turning my back on 
massive amounts of money. I was already earning more than most of the working copywriters in the game at that point mm. through these larger and larger checks that were coming in through the largest mailers in the world because we were getting paid per piece mailed and we were getting royalties and stuff. And I, but it just, it, you know, I was in my mid thirties and I still was under the illusion that I could make life what I wanted it to be. Mm. And now I will tell anybody of any age, yes, you can. I mean, I did it, but I'm not the only example of someone I know who's, who's done this. And, and because I've been able to do it and I've worked with people who had families and kids to feed, who had, who had uh, parents to take care of, who had, who had great responsibilities, mortgages, things like that. I've talked to them. Yeah. And the other, there were two sides of this. One was if I could convince them to stay true to themselves. And, and, and again, I, I, I think people naturally gravitate towards me for, for mentoring and coaching who really need to laugh, like laughing and, and under, understanding a humor like that. So I don't get the humorless bastards coming around me very much. Yeah. But those guys, they had put that, on the back shelf, they thought that part of the business before pleasure meant that they could, couldn't could laugh for a while, that they weren't mm -hmm. supposed to, that it wasn't right. And what was happening was I was seeing the stress build up in these guys, and they every single one of them who wouldn't listen to me, wouldn't let up on on working hard and no, no relief from working hard all the time with no release valves, they all burned out. They fried. Okay. Some of these guys were very young, healthy. They had a lot of things going on, and because their eyes got big when they got those first checks and they wanted more and more and they took on more stuff, they, they just blew apart and they vanished from the scene. I don't even know what most of these guys are doing now. And the ones that did listen and the ones that did start to back off, maybe they made a little less money during the year. Maybe they took on a few less clients, but they started getting choosier. They started paying attention to what was important. It was better to have a small amount of money set aside, mm -hmm. take care of, you know, for, for your fuck you money, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure you're taking care of business. They knew what their nut was. They played it close to the vest. They wouldn't turn down large fees for jobs, but they didn't take the job just because it was a large fee. Because as your career gets going, there are a couple of choices mm -hmm. that go into all of this. Yeah. So, um, so you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you, you and I were talking before the call about, how tough it is to deal with with the stress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the last mastermind, which was in your hometown, we had it there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was funny that that video you made, I think, I hope people saw it, yeah. was, you know, the guys, the, the insiders, <laughs> me and Stan and, and Deutsch, and uh, we Brian. had Brain with us yeah. in the car. We were, la we were laughing. We're going off to lunch. We're, we're, we're being stupid. We know we're being filmed. We know our legacy is being tarnished by what we're saying. <laughs> And we didn't care. We just we were just having fun. And then you had the you know the, the other one with yeah. with a comic in the back seat. Yeah. And and another guy, Jim Clare, is very very f funny guy. I, yeah. I love hanging out with these guys. But for some reason, they they serious up. You know, when the camera was on, <laughs> yeah. and they were yeah. it was just hilarious. I mean, they, you know, God bless them for being the kind of the butt of the joke. But it it was just you know. It's 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 you know you choose your you choose your moments and you choose your yeah. friends and and you can build a network full of people who you can call I call Garf I call you I call Stan and I can say I'm down I need to laugh and they can switch gears in a heartbeat yeah and and if that's what we got to do then that's what we got to do and I and I am the the main person that a lot of people call when they just need to let go and download some stress and start laughing yeah you know and how that's why Halbert and I got along so so well together. yeah. I think it's not even about 
provide me the answer to this conundrum. It's like, dude, just like hear me out and make it all seem as stupid as it is, right? You know, just help me realize this is dumb. But yeah, just a quick note on that card video because I'll post it here in the thing. In in those guys' defense, and what makes it even funnier to me is, of course, my goal for turning on the camera on both those rides was to to teach something about copy, to get like some little golden nugget, right? Uh And and so I sort of announced that intention to both groups, and the younger guys uh, had, you know, just sort of obliged me more. What makes me laugh so hard is that you guys like wouldn't wouldn't think of it. Like every time I try to go, so what can we, what can we teach people about? You know, it's like how, how many times are we going to sit through this light, Rogers? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what made me laugh. Was like you're not even allowed to talk about business when it's fun time. You know, you know, um, one of the first things that 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 I learned from Halbert was we would go into clients' offices, and I had been going into clients' offices when I started working with him for I think five or six years. I was well established in my career, and I knew the game. You go in there, you're serious, you sit down, you you take notes, you talk about stuff. Halbert and I'd walk in, and the first thing Halbert would do would be to find some way to put this guy on his heels. He'd insult him. He'd he'd, he'd be absolutely inappropriate with some horrible. <laughs> sexist joke uh you know he would he would do something where it i would almost spit up he, he would try to make me spit up coffee if i was drinking it or whatever and and the client would be dumbfounded it's like you you can't talk we can't do this i mean th- this is business and then and this was what actually and, and i thought okay we lost this guy well we didn't lose him because <laughs> because halbert was the 800 pound gorilla in the room he came in and said look we will he didn't actually have to say this but the but the message was we will take care of you we will write the ads we will make you a rich man we'll do everything but you have to you have to put up with us you don't get half the package, you get the whole package. And we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And we were funny and irreverent and outrageous and, and there was nothing that, that we respected. And that was a relief in and of itself. Now now we could get serious when we needed to. Like we didn't we didn't joke about the product necessarily. Well, we would joke about the product, but when it came down to writing the stuff, well, actually we would joke, you know, some of the first drafts were actually hilarious versions of oh, what yeah. not to write. Right. I, I think we talked about that in, in the last show. Yeah. Well, but the piece we'd always turn turn over would be serious about salesmanship. Now you can have humor and in, in you you can be a humor salesman a, a little bit, but you have to watch it. I think we talked about that in that show you reposted last week. Uh, uh, that not humor, humor can kill. That's right. Because yeah. There was a new incident late, recently. Right. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like you know some of the funniest guys that that we know write some of the most serious copy. I mean, Deutsch is one of the most masters at dry humor, the kind of stuff that you look at him and then as you're processing what he just said, you start to sputter and then you start to laugh. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's it's evil in the way he can just take you off game like that. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful, wonderful and evil at the same time. So, (laughs) so there's, you know, it's, I just can't stress how much that, um, uh, if fun is critical to your life, and if you're listening, I, I can't imagine some humorless bastard being on the list here listening to this yeah. podcast anyway. But but if it if it's important, then it's up to you to to instill it to to kind of force feed it back into your lifestyle. If it's not there, it your, your job can be really serious. You could be working for a seriously humorless bastard. Um, 
and and you can't do it at work, then you have to up it after work. You have to be able to shut that off. You have to be able to do things. And I think one of, one of the tactics that all of the top writers that I know share is that we can't wait to get into the bar after an event or just hanging out. And it, it, guys like David doesn't even, you know, rarely drinks alcohol, even, but it's, it's the idea of the bar where you just sit down, relax, and we tell the stories. And it's those stories that, that make us stronger, that, that help, us, help us understand the gig and the camaraderie that, that comes with being in a network of people who understand your game, who understand the, the position you're in when you're dealing with clients, when you're writing, when you're meeting deadlines, all that stuff. Yeah. The stories are always hilarious. And there's yeah. a reason for that, because yeah. those are the guys that rise to the top. Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah. And, you know, I think just the... Um, it, these days, everything's so digital, right? It, it, I'm noticing this pattern. You, you, you're talking about human interaction in all these instances, you know? And yeah. I think people uh, rely on YouTube and, and Comedy Central and, they, you know, clips or watching stand-up on TV. And, yeah, you can get a good belly laugh out of that. I just don't – it's not the same as no, sitting with somebody and, you know, it, it's what happens in the moment. It's the spontaneity of it. Uh, it just releases a new set of chemicals, right? And yeah. I, I've been reading, there's a, a couple of good books. I, I, just to look up this author's name. Um, it, it, she wrote one called Meet Your Happy Chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one I, I just downloaded last night. Uh, and it's, it's something about uh, retraining your brain for, for, for fun or something like that, where it's just you know, actual exercises you can do to get your brain to release those chemicals and this will be a little bit of a left turn but it's right up your alley john because i know you have the degree in psych and all that um you know that if we're not training our brains to create sort of like you know good chemical neural pathways uh-huh. and we're ignoring the things that release those chemicals um your body your brain doesn't know to reproduce them right that you know you get the dopamine hit and you quickly recover and go all right now what's next and what's next might be 10 more miles down the road than the hit you just got right so so you so you have to do little things you you, there's things you can do and there's exercises you can do it takes some discipline to actually force your brain to release these chemicals otherwise they sort of dry up on you so it's like the care and feeding of your sense of humor i'd never thought about that and you're absolutely right so yeah, we should get that book into people's hands. It's uh, uh, we, I, I've been extraordinarily lucky through my career to have a lot of people, and I'm I'm a very loyal guy. So it's like you know I I've known Stan, my business partner, for uh, over thirty years. Yeah, and like I say, I hang out with my college pals and do stuff. So I've been lucky to have these friends, but I've had to go through a lot of other people to get to that. When you find somebody that is that personable person who can make you laugh, you hold on tight. And that means if you gotta loan, loan him a thousand dollars and he'll never pay you back, <laughs> maybe sometimes that's what you gotta do. Right. But you've gotta, you know, the, the care and feeding of your sense of humor, if you let it dry up, and I've gone through periods where I haven't been around people who, you know, the, the situation wasn't very funny, uh, nobody wanted to laugh, and there wasn't any laughing going on. And I physically change. I I, I can feel feel it viscerally. The 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 chemicals coursing through my system have changed. So you're absolutely right, and that's a good way to put it. To 
to treat your sense of humor like a garden you're growing and it needs nutrients and it needs to be uh, loved and, and cared for and tended well. Yeah. So it's a really good point. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I just looked it up. It's uh, Loretta Graziano Bruning is her name. And the one That's I... That's a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a pisser. Uh, she's got a big smile. And, you know, she's obviously a serious... Uh, let's see. She's the founder of the Inner Mammal Institute, right? So one of her books... All of her subtitles are great. One is called I Mammal, Why Your Brain Links Status and Happiness, which is sounds fascinating. Uh, I mentioned the one Meet Your Happy Chemicals. And then she has Habits of a Happy Brain is the one I was huh. thinking of. And it's all about you know ser serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin, and it, you know these are the things that it all goes back to survival and, and fight or flight. And your your brain just doesn't understand your iPhone yet. <laughs> it doesn't know that you're you're this safe and you can order food with it. And it's just going you know where's all the adventure, yeah. <laughs> right? I think That's we're right. lulling and numbing ourselves into this sort of like you know, a medium range hum of existence. Uh, and, you know, I think that's settling people, pe yeah. people are settling for lives. They, they don't have to have. Mm. And, and I think for, and, and I can, I can say for most of the top writers that, that I know, humor is, is as important as food to them. Yeah. And if you deprive them of that, they will shrivel and die. And I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. And most of them are the successful ones have it in their lives. It's a major part of their lives. That doesn't mean it's there all the time, 24 hours a day, but if they know where to find it, they, they, they don't, however, I think consciously understand the idea that they're actually carrying and feeding their, their sense of humor. So I think that's a, that's a message I'm going to start spreading a little more. Thanks for coming up with that. Yeah, sure. Well, I was, yeah, reporting what I read here, but I, I think we got the name of the episode maybe, huh? Yeah, I would agree. That's what I was thinking. So. Great stuff. All right. All right well, we'll wrap it up, short John. Show, short both. one. But yeah, hey, you know, people are begging for more. We appreciate the support. We want to do more. We're, we're, we're vowed to do more. It's just, uh, you know, getting our schedules together can be challenging. So yeah. share it. Share it with people. What, what the, what the, what the yeah. hell is you people that you're hoarding this yeah, stuff. we're like 25 now get it out there <laughs> spread the love <laughs> all right john all right. thanks pal we'll do it again soon okay bye-bye see ya